welcome to the first ever episode of Run to the Hills. I am Chris Bland and this is... I'm Tim Taylor and uh, thanks Chris for sorting all this out. This is the Run to the Hills podcast. We're really excited that we're somewhat remote from each other today and uh, welcome to Run to the Hills. We're going to talk about lots of running news, what's happening right now. Bit of an ironic time to be starting it in the middle of a pandemic. But we're excited to talk about running and we talk about it all day long. So in terms of news, Chris, I know you'll be excited to know that if you go for a run right now on Strava, you get a message right after your run from Boris Johnson, which is great because I didn't know he was on Strava. And uh, I'm excited to report that he'll, he'll message you as soon as you've been for your one run a day, congratulating you on that and uh, advising you not to go for a second run. Is it a congratulation or a warning? I think it's kind of like... In his inimitable style, he's, uh, he's mixed the two up. Interesting. Bit bold. I like it. As Boris is pointing out, allowed out for one run a day. Um, we wrote a blog that what? Did we put it out on Tuesday? Was that right? Yesterday? That's right. Yeah. Lockdown tips. So it's just five really simple tips to make the most out of that one run. And most importantly, to be safe and make sure that you're not picking anything up and you're not passing anything on to anyone else. So in the show notes, I'll make sure there's a link to that. Absolutely, Chris. And don't, and don't drive 200 miles to go for your one run either. That's like, we're hoping that most people are following common sense. I think anyone who's listening to us is probably uh, reasonably sensible too. And the, I mean, the other run, the other running news was you were telling me about the guy who ran the marathon on the balcony. Yep, a French guy, Alicia, and I'm not going to attempt his second name because it has far more syllables than I'm comfortable with, but he ran a marathon on a 23-foot balcony in six hours, 48 minutes. Fantastic. That's amazing. It is roughly the length of from my living room to the end of my kitchen. So depending on how bored I get, this will be what I'll be trying to break. Yeah, thanks, Chris. Um, We all all need to know how long your living room was. I appreciate you sharing that with the nation. (laughs) That's fantastic. You're but what about what about the other guy who ran the ultra indoors? So, kind of an ultra. I'm not sure how I feel about this one. A guy in China, Lee, 66 year old guy. So credit for that. But he's ran 318 miles over two months, oh. about six oh. miles a day. Omg! Mm. Wow. I'm less impressed. I'm less impressed with that one. Six miles but, indoors every day is quite a lot, Chris. Is is I'll give you that. This week's guest is John Steele, who's a great guy. Love him to bits. Super runner, bit of a mad runner, just like mad and persistent. Uh, I remember him winning the hill back in the day, but of course he's better known as being the race director, along with Shirley for the Hard Nose Race Series. Really interested to hear how he's coping with the lockdown right now. So, without further ado, we're going to get on to our interview with John Steele. Sorry, so I do apologise, but I was in the uh, I was in the Lake District in about 2001, 2002, and I was uh, walking through Grasmere, and there was a board uh, beside a shop, and it was about Lakeland Challenges, and it I didn't realise this was the Bob Graham round, then. I didn't even know about the Bob Graham round then, and uh, I had information about people who had done so many peaks in so much time. You know, I looked at it and there was a quite a bit of a history there going on from um it didn't read I don't even think it mentioned the Bob Graham round, but it was extensions of the Bob Graham round. And uh it said, you know, sort of twenty-four hours for 
72 miles and I thought well that's that's about three miles an hour or something like that and I thought well that's not that fast <laughs> and so um until I first went up uh, I fell and tried to uh, replicate that speed and I realized that yeah 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 it's completely different so that got me into attempting the Bob Graham round um I didn't even really class myself as a runner then I started doing trail running and a bit of fell running towards the Bob Graham round and uh, whilst going down that line of I, I didn't complete it I had a go and I didn't complete it but I got a magazine at the same time I heard about UTMB and that's really interested me that drew me into having going to UTMB so really it was it was down to being in the late district and seeing a board of information about the, um, the Bob Graham rounds or the Lakeland challenges um, and it sort of started from there really uh, back in 2001 2002 there wasn't many well, I didn't, hardly, I didn't know anybody who did trail, never mind ultra running. Everybody I sort of knew did road running. Maybe the longest did was London Marathon, things like that. So uh, trying to find information was was not very easy. Because I didn't live in the lakes. I lived in um, in Hornsey, near Beverly at the time. And um, so it's a bit of a voyage of, ex, you know, uh, a bit of a voyage of um, discovery, trying to work things out. Uh, and then um, I'd say... I really completed my first uh, ultra marathon distance in probably about 2004, and um, then had to go at the uh, UTMB, and it took three three attempts, and I got round on my third attempt in 2009. So that's where it all started from, really. You were the first guy, right, to do the hill? Yes, back in 2013. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So how did you go about training for something like that? Mm, well. In, in fairness, um, would you be able to give us a, a little bit of a brief of what the hill is for anyone that's not sure? Yeah, of course. Uh, the hill was uh, organised by Mark Cotbane, uh, who's a bit of a sadist at times. Um, <laughs> to say the least. Yes. And the hill is um, it's changed now. It's, it's been at different locations because it can't be where it originally was uh, because it was, a, it was a shiny tour. And the... Uh, the pub next to it was a cast and fiddle, but the cast and fiddle has shut down and been shut down for a few years. Hence why he doesn't hold the hill at the same spot. Basically, it was uh, you started outside the cast and fiddle um, and then you did um, like a three mile, it's not a three mile, 2.9 mile loop. So you ran up to the top of this uh, hill uh, and then back down again. Now, the, the key is in the detail. It's not an easy hill, but it's not exceptionally steep. Because the idea is he wanted people to run, not walk. He wanted people to run. And when they couldn't run anymore, to feel guilty for not running. You know, like, it was that kind of hill. It was kind yeah. of like you could, the first couple of times you ran up it. And, you know, then then the, the um, some of the rest would carry on a bit longer. But you'd find that you'd walk most of it and then you'd run and descend down. And then you'd try and run back a bit. And it was that kind of a... That kind of a hill. And uh, the idea was that you had to complete 160 miles in the 48 hours, which was like 55 reps. You weren't allowed, you, you were only allowed in the pub every now and again. You were allowed half an hour breaks, but you weren't allowed that many. You weren't allowed anything over half an hour. And uh, really to keep within, unless you were super fast, to keep within the format, you needed to not have many breaks because you need to be constantly going out and back, out and back. Also, the um, all your stuff was usually outside, so you were exposed to the elements at the time. The uh, 
the conditions at the hill uh, are usually pretty awful because it's in um, December, round about close to the shortest day. And so um, up in the Peak District, Shiny Tours, sorry, Shiny Tours in the Peak District, it's near, near Buxton, uh, and near the, um, I've got the name of it, well, it's a famous road up there, quite dodgy road. Anyway, the, um, so it's very exposed to rain, snow, sleet, you know, mist, etc. I think when I, when I did it, I would have said about 40 odd hours of it, it seemed to rain, you know, and 40 odd hours of it, it seemed to um, be freezing and thick mist. Um, and um, on the day of the race, 15 of us started um, the event. Uh, I think it's busier nowadays, but the, rich, the reason why I entered it was I'd entered the Viking Way, which was one of his events in the February of that year of 2013. And I'd been ill for about a week before, and um, but I set off, and I got to about 70 miles, and I had to drop out due to hypothermia, case from still being pretty ill. Um, so I was annoyed about this. So uh, when he brought out the hill, I decided to try and get a bit of revenge, and you know, fancy, you know, a goal to try and complete it. Um, coming nearer to the time, um, I was in a position where I couldn't get over to my usual training areas, say the North York Moors, which is a good 40, 50 miles away from my house. Uh, I couldn't really get there often, so but I was get, I was in the gym quite a bit at the time, uh, by the times. Uh, so I was begun on the, uh, I used to use the inclined treadmill and just go on there for an hour or two, um, as well as the fact of having the incline to train on. It was incredibly boring, which and monotonous as the treadmill is, you know. So in a way, I thought it was good mental training. And then, then after a bit, I got I've got um, a weighted vest, and I'd wear that for um, duration of it, and then uh, attempt to, to run up it with its vest on, uh, and that was predominantly my training uh, for for the event itself. Um, and on the day itself, uh, I think conditions were abysmal, and um, I think that sort of destroyed half the field. So. Uh, I got quite a bit of motivation from people gradually just um, dropping out. That sounds awful, isn't it? I felt sad for them dropping out. <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, then I got down to um, it. Got down to the fact there was only three of us still going. I thought, well, if I complete, then I've come third. Well, I've come third or last. I don't know what you want to say. And then somebody else dropped out and found me second. And then um, when the last person dropped out, and it was just myself, I realised then that uh, if I completed. And I'd, I'd, I'd won the event, or first finisher, or last first, whatever you want to call it. And um, <laughs> I, I don't usually win anything, you know. I just don't usually. So that motivated me just to continue on, also to like stick it to the man, also to give the uh, the, uh, you know. <laughs> yeah, the perfect. <laughs> <thing. laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. I love it. Um, you've done a few of Mark's events since, haven't you? Yes, yeah, yeah. That year, well, 2014, he decided to develop the uh, cock slam. Uh, the cock slam included. <laughs> <laughs> that year, you had to do in a... The hill was the first one, even though that was the end of 2013. Then there was the Viking Way, and then there was the C2C. And the Viking Way was in, um, I think it was in April that year. And uh, I managed to complete that. And then... Uh, then I went on to do a C2C, and the C2C is coast to coast, but not the Wainwrights coast to coast. It's the cycle coast to coast. It's Whitehaven to 
Tynemouth or Tynemouth, I always pronounced that wrong. Um, it's about 140 miles. And I managed to complete that as well. So I got his Coxlan that um, that year. Uh, since then, I've been back to one it's of the title worth events. winning. <laughs> um, yes, yeah, yeah. So aside from Mark Cockbane's heinous, heinous events, what tells about another race that you've loved? You've done them all over the world. What stands out for you? Well, one that I do love a lot uh, is the Lakeland, Lakeland 100. Uh, I've had five completions of the Lakeland, uh, and if if the uh, if it's on again this year, uh, fingers crossed, then I'm hoping to make the sixth. And I've, I've done the 50 before as well, and uh, it's kind of just every year uh, I seem to be there, whether running or Shirley has run the 50 numerous times. When I haven't run, I've been there while she's she's run, and uh, last year we marshaled, and it's a fantastic weekend. Um, Ultra rise, I mean, as well as that, I mean, UTMB back in two thousand nine was brilliant. Uh, last year I went back out there to spectate and to help support a friend um, who ran the C- at the CCC and completed, and it was such a great you know atmosphere. Um, I'm probably going to forget one or two here, but West Island Way Race up in Scotland. Um, been out there about four or five times, about four completions. So there's certain races I go back to, um, and uh, I've had I've been lucky enough to run my own races uh, back e- years ago when it was a lot quieter. I managed to run the 110 as a race and the 55 as a race, and I love the 110 routes. And since then, I've, I've run it two more times but not as a race just as at any time kind of challenge um there is there is numerous um and i'm probably forgetting some i'm probably forgetting a great race which you know which i may have loved and it's uh, probably gone out gone out of my head but um yeah there's there's lots there's lots out there and uh so got two sort of last things for you um the first is if just keeping on the topic of races you obviously feel free to plug your own races for this as well but if someone was getting into ultra sort of the trail world is there any first timer races or ones that'd be good if they've sort of already got a marathon to build into anything that's like let's like say with the lakeland maybe the Lakeland 50 it's just got a great environment behind it or anything like that well i'd say first of all i mean You've got the LDWA, Long, Long Distance Walkers Association events, which uh, range from uh, 20-odd miles upwards. Uh, and there's, there's things like um, Rudolf's Romp. Uh, uh, actually, sorry, I do apologise, because this is uh, this is not ultra distance. This is like 22, 23 miles. It's all right. Yeah, sorry, yeah. But uh, um, you've got things like the Waldsman, which is a 50-mile event, uh, which is organised by the LDWA. That's in the... Uh, in the wards uh you've got they do different ones all over spot you've got things like round rotherham these events um you know you have time that's about 24 hours plus so you can run and walk those events and there's lots of people that walk and there's people that run run so there's less pressure but adding on to that then you've got things like the lakeland 50 uh which is a brilliant event and it's a 24-hour cutoff so for the 50 miles of that it's it, it's it's very achievable achievable you know so um that's you know if you wanted to jump into that kind of distance that's that's brilliant and uh going to my own we have the hard moss 30 uh which is a 31 mile race on on ubs day again there's about a 12 hour cutoff 
so people can predominantly walk most of that and then run parts of it and walk walk it. But there's so many races now, and and um, I probably apologise because there's a few that I've missed out. <laughs> oh, there'll it's be there's hundreds yes, of them yeah, out there, exactly, I'm sure. Yes, exactly. Yes, yeah. Um, and so last sort of question for you. One thing, every time I've been sort of lucky enough to be at a race where you're running or run along those lines, you strike me as you're always like metronomic. You just constant like you might not set off the fastest, but you always seem to just keep on chugging and chugging and chugging along. Which and then all of a sudden you're just there popping up, popping up, popping up, which I imagine to keep that sort of discipline throughout it of what sounds like a sensible race plan you've probably got built up quite a lot of like mental grit do you think that would be a fair sort of assumption to say well thank you for saying that um yes yeah it's i get through things uh definitely mentally i mean even just normal training runs sometimes so um you know just mentally hard to push push through the body's not normally willing it needs a bit of breaking down before before it'll start to uh, adjust to what i'm doing and uh, every time i kind of go out the further i go out it's it takes seems to take longer before it kind of warms up physically and mentally uh, but yeah men- mental grip but i'm more of a diesel engine anyway so i kind of just uh, <laughs> i have to plod away and plod away and plod away and plod away and uh, um but yeah it is um i do i do physically suffer quite a lot uh when i'm out there and i have a lot of mental battles going on so it is uh it is a huge mental battle for me definitely uh and again something sorry do you think that's something that you can train or is that something that sort of i suppose is that nature nurture question isn't it i think it's a bit of both i think everybody can improve mentally um good question is whether anybody can prove mentally to be able to push themselves to run or cycle or whatever for a huge duration of time when the pain sets in you cannot i think everybody you can get further on and and push it and further and further but i think it is something that is if it isn't if you're not i don't know if you're necessarily born with it but maybe life gives you it along the way somewhere along the way that you can find something to feed on some kind of even something negative in the past to feed on and try and you know push through you know um i think i think definitely when when i've looked back and i've done a done events and i had to push and push and push uh and i'm coming up to another event coming up and i think and i'm thinking oh god i've got to go through all that again and it's almost like you've got to go through so much hell before you adjust into it mentally and then you start to feel strong. It's a certain distance. It's kind of like once you've gone past a certain distance, your body allow you and your mind allows you to relax a little bit. And um, that's when it gets great. It's just that it's a long time. It just gets to that point. So I think a lot of people there give up before they get to that point. Yeah. Because I think yeah. I know this is slightly, slightly, it's with this subject, but slightly off. I think when you go to your, uh, you've got to realise when you go to your darkest periods, that you're just around the corner from a high, from something being fantastic, something being great, and you just got to hang on. And it's the more events you do, the more you realise that's going to happen. Like I say the first one you ever do, you get a really, really bad patch, and you, and your body's telling you to stop. And you're thinking, well, am I injured? Am I this? Am I that? Is it my head telling me to stop? And then you'll find the excuse to stop 
Whereas if you've managed to push through once, then every time you go back to that, you think, yeah, I can just get through that. It's going to be a good patch. There is times that yeah, that doesn't happen. And it, the whole thing is just totally hell. Uh, the, only good, the only one thing I would say is if you set off, what I tend to find is if I set off in a race and I'm feeling really good, maybe a training run, I'm feeling really good. And I think, oh, this is great. It's not going to end up good. That's what happens. You know, it's usually, if it, it's usually if I set off feeling really not great and mentally not great. It'll either do one or two things. It will stay the same or I'll get a massive high. But if I start off good, it's going to go downwards. Kind of quiet questions, but you can take as long as you want to answer them. So, okay, first up, I'm imagining I know the answer to this one, but road or trail? Uh, okay, uh, you know what? It's uh, not such an easy answer that because um, it's 60% trail and 40% road because I do do some things on the road as well. But really, I'm a trail runner that does a bit of road. <laughs> <laughs> Which do you prefer? Uh, hard pack trail um yeah hills mountains i'm just probably better on the flatter stuff than i'm on the hillier stuff but i prefer the hillier stuff um okay hot or cold hot smart yeah. smart yeah. Yeah. and i imagine the answer then to sun or rain is going to be sun yes definitely <laughs> yeah 200 <laughs> percent um, <laughs> yeah <laughs> right uh favorite music to run to this could be a song can be an artist can be an album okay uh i listen to loads uh i listen to quite a bit of fish he used to be the lead singer of marillion uh but he's a bit depressing at times um so uh it's some metal soft metal all sorts <laughs> i'd like to hear it okay and how many pairs of trainers do you own if you ask Shirley, she should say I've got about 20. I've got about, about four pairs, which are um, roadworthy. <laughs> um, okay. And what's the longest you've gone without washing your running kit? <laughs> um, <laughs> good question. Uh, probably about two or three days, you know, just hung, hung it out and then put it back on again. You know, that kind of thing. Yeah. That's usually when I've been maybe in the Alps or somewhere where I can't get to wash a machine. But usually I'm quite good. And I've got loads of T-shirts, so I'm okay. That mountain air is basically a washing machine anyway. You should be all right with that. Yeah, exactly. Um, okay. What's the strangest thing you've ever seen on a run? Oh, God. Uh, hmm. I've seen some pretty strange things, but my memory's gone blank now. Uh... I've seen, I've you can seen, come I, back I, to that I, one if you'd like. Yeah, there's one thing I can remember, and um, I'm sure I've seen stranger things, but this was quite strange. Um, I was doing some hill reps at Flamborough Head, which is um, a uh, lifeboat station, you know, where they release lifeboats, and there's a big slope there. And we used to do a training yeah. towards UTMB there. We used to go up and down and do reps on there. And one Sunday morning, myself and my friend Steve Walker, Drop down there and there was a, a witch on the beach uh praying or not praying but whether she you know uh kind of um i don't know worshiping the sea for the duration that we were there 
and she was in full gear. I mean, not sort of like a typical witch's hat, but she was like uh, definitely like some kind of druid or you know female druid or female witch or something like that. So that was a bit odd. But I, I know I've seen Stranger I Things. Thought... But I, just can't, I can't remember what. It <laughs> that one was not the answer I was expecting, but I like yes. it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> thank you to John Steele, and thank you guys for listening. Um, if you could do us a great favor. Either leave us a review, subscribe, rate us, all of the above on whatever you're on, whether that's Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts. We'd appreciate a ton. Um, also, this is our first ever episode. I'm a bit shaky, as I'm sure you can tell. If you can let us know any feedback you've got, good, the bad, who you'd like to see more of, all of that sort of thing, just get in touch with us at, at Cheer Charge on pretty much everything. See you next week.